Hi, welcome to Cell Block Age podcast. I am your host, Lars. Before we get into the third episode, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Firstly, why I haven't released an episode in about two months maybe? There's a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm having my kitchen redone. It's hopefully done before Christmas, but I'm not really sure when it will be done, but hopefully before Christmas. Also, I have been having some trouble with the kidney stone, and it's been quite an ordeal dealing with that as well. Also, life has been getting getting in the way for me. I'm sorry for that, and hope that you forgive me. Lastly, I'm probably going to do some changes to the episodes and to the podcast itself. As of right now, the whole process of recording an episode, watching the episode, writing the script, going through the script, writing show notes, recording the episode, editing, all of that takes me about 10 hours per episode. That's a hell of a lot of hours when you got a full-time job so I'm not really sure how I will change the format of the show but I'm probably going to have short episodes and maybe reviewing two episodes a time. Now I'm not really sure how we'll go about it but it's probably going to be determined before this episode is out. Also my goal has always been to release at least an episode a week. This is still my goal, but I haven't been able to put out an episode a week. It's I'm having trouble putting out an episode a month as it stands right now. It's it's been a lot these couple of months for me, so so hopefully it will get better. But before we get on to it, I just want to say hello to new listeners in Germany, Spain and South Africa. Welcome, and obviously welcome to all the new listeners that I've gotten the last mo- last couple of months from the UK, Sweden, United States, Australia, and Bosnia, Bosnia Herzegovina, and Portugal. Because it seems though I've gotten a couple of new listeners from those countries as well. We should probably get going with the episode itself. You'll do as you're told, because if you don't, I'll be in charge of the beating next time. The longer I stay in here, the less chance I have of going back across the Nullarbor. And that suits me fine. You don't ever tell a screw anything about anything. I sentence you to six months' detention in Wentworth. Episode 3 of Selbuck Age podcast was first aired the 28th of February 1979. Written by Ian Bradley. Produced by Ian Bradley and directed by Rod Hardy. Synopsis. B is back. Frankie's day as top dog is over. Lizzie has a bad heart. Debo cares more about bad publicity than over safety. Vera sure likes a good fight. Bill sure looks stupid now after saying that Meg should quit her job. First viewing this time around. 2018. The tent. The tent. The 10th of October, after we get a short recap of what happened in the last episode. B shot her husband, in case you forgot. We get a first gate slam. I can now relax and feel a bit safe and know that the weird effect is no longer with us. Vera comes walking down the corridor and goes to Lynn's cell. 
asking her why she isn't at lunch with all the other little girls, but she just wants to lie here in her huge bed so she can starve herself. As we cut to the dining room, we get a panning shot from one end of the dining room till the other. And what have we here? Two gates? Isn't it supposed to have the opening to the left and the door into the kitchen in, in the right? I'd still love to have a schematic of the prison. Hi Chrissy, welcome to the show. Chrissy and Frankie are having a laugh over some joke that Frankie just made. Can't really make, make out what she's saying, but it's aimed at Karen or Doreen. Vera isn't happy with the women not moving and they all seem a bit on edge. It's clear that Frankie has taken over and is trying to exert her power over the women and showing the screws who's the new boss lady in here. Karen has had enough of this foolishness and stands up to leave, but Doreen makes her sit down again. You don't want to cross Frankie. Dave is fetched and she comes, comes down to the dining room to inquire as to what happened. Frankie greets the governor and asks if she's come to talk about the food complaints. Morning, Governor. Come to hear our complaints about the food, have you? Have you any complaints? No. <laughs> <laughs> then why aren't the girls at work? Why ask me? I was under the impression they do as you tell them. Maybe. Then please ask them to go back to work. Holy hell, she's smug and full of herself. When Davis says the girls listen to Frankie, it's just power games. But she gets her point across. Frankie's top dog, and now that bee's gone. Shouldn't have given in to the bitch. Well, what do you suggest? Throw her in solitary for a few days. For what? Insolence! She has witnesses who will swear she was politeness itself. Just sit tight and let me know the minute anything else happens. There it is again. Love it. They don't pussyfoot around with the language. Davo is clearly frustrated over the situation, and with good reason too. It's not the first time there's been some sort of power struggle or change of top top dog and it won't be the last but with Frankie ruling over the women who the hell knows what can happen. Meg is told that Marty has come for a visit uh, as we cut to the two lovers Bill and Chrissy. That's at least what Chrissy thinks and she has nothing else in sight but old Billy boy and she's not kidding around. She tries to kiss him but he won't have any of it. He's mildly annoyed mostly because she's wasting his valuable time. Meg comes in and asks him to take a stroll with her in the garden to speak with the son, but Bill's so bloody busy that he hasn't even time to see his own son. Damn it, Bill, he's your son and he's threatening to leave home at 16, and you don't even have five lousy minutes to give him? We go to the garden where Lynn is trying to salvage what's left of Frank Frankie's rummage through it. Lynn picks up, picks up a rose as we get on the inside by Lynn Hamilton. For almost a minute, as we fade away to mum walking in a park and picks up a ball to give to kid. First of all, I think it would have been a better transition if they would have ended the song before the lyrics began, because how of the song is structured with the guitar strung, it's perfect for a fade out of some sorts. It feels off because the song is used in almost every ending of the episode and it, it kind of lends itself to the feeling that we are about to end the episode. Then again, this is the third episode of the show and I guess they are still trying to figure it all out. It's also sh such a short scene and it cuts right back to the garden. It feels so wasted and cut up. Fuck it. If they want to 
want us to feel sympathy for mom. Give us a bit more time with her. Not sure, but they may want to cut back to the prison again to let us feel like you never really left that life behind you and society will always regard you as a second-class citizen and distrust you even though you paid your dues. Or maybe I'm giving the show too much credit. It's super weird that Meg talks to her son through the fence. And what's even weirder is that he's to the left of the garden. It really doesn't make any sense. It's a bit inconsistent with the show later on. Are we to think that he's on the prison grounds or what? Why doesn't Meg go into the space that he's in? And who the hell is going to let him out if he walks the opposite way of the entrance? We head, head back to the laundry where Marilyn is shaking her booty as the saying goes. Important. Why me when you can shake your booty? But apparently Frankie has, hasn't heard about it uh, as she turns off the radio and gives Karen a stern talking to. I just want to be left alone. You'll be left alone when you're dead. In the meantime, you'll do like I tell you. Now we're going through the same routine again at lunchtime and if you so much as move a finger. What? You saw what happened to your friend Lynn. I won't just stick your hand in the press. I'll stick your pretty face in it. You better do what she says, you can't win. Frankie wants all the girls to take part in her next move at lunchtime. And Karen better do as she's told, or else. Marsh, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Find the cause of spontaneous combustion, or else. Or else what? Exactly. I'm sorry, Karen, I am. I shouldn't be joking, but for realsies though, she will burn your face off if you don't do as she tells you. Karen is shipped off to the social work and is somewhat, shall we say, reserved. Bill tries the same tactics as Dr. Miller, but no luck. She just wants to be punished for her sins. It's a really strange build-up with the music and then the closing of the gates. I think they should have held the camera on Karen for a second or two more, because it feels like the music is abruptly cut off. As we come back to the laundry, Lizzie has some old wires for Marilyn. And as long as the little games doesn't interfere with Frankie's sitting at lunchtime, we're all fine and dandy. Vinegar Tits comes in and interrupts the girl's tea break. Weren't you supposed to be seeing the psychologist this morning? I've already seen him. It was only a quickie today. <laughs> oh, I only meant it was a quick visit. Quiet! Just get on with your work. That fucking cackle and raspy laughs of Lizzie's gets me every time. We get a quickie at the doctor's office as Greg shows us what a fashionista he is. With his blue lab coat, a washed out yellow shirt, with a hideous light brown tie with crooked stripes on it. Rosie is having a checkup and is worried about having her baby born in a prison, especially with Frankie around. No peace and quiet, but not to worry. Greg will try to see that you'll get into the mother's wing a bit earlier. Isn't it called maternity ward? Or wing later on. Meg catches up with Bill and says she promised Marty that they'd both be home at four. So they all can have a swim and a chat. He finally says some sense and promises that he'll cancel his lectures and come home at four. Old Miss Snoopy Pants Vera. <laughs> <laughs> Old Miss Snoopy Pants Vera comes along and actually tries to be a friend and a caring co-worker to me, but misses by a mile. You want me, Vera? Yes, the paddy wagon will be here in 15 minutes. I'll be there. Trouble. What? Oh, no, no. It's just Bill. He doesn't seem to have time for anything but work. I suppose you've heard the rumours. 
that he's playing around with one of the girls. Grow up, Vera! You kind of feel for Vera in this instance. She looks a bit worried and just is just trying to help, but she just isn't very good with social norms. Man, I fucking love Lizzie. Holy hell, what would this show be, that would be without Sheila Florence? She is so funny and a great physical comedian, and she's also a really convincing actor in the most in the more serious scenes. I think she's my fav, favorite main character of the whole series. All Lizzie's shenanigans love him. She's just strolling down the prison, humming like you would when you try to act normal. Marilyn sidles, <laughs> sidles up to her and scares the living daylights out of Lizzie. Careful there, Marilyn. You know Lizzie's got a fake wake heart to think about. <laughs> Lizzie gives the biggest thumbs up ever given in the history of mankind to give a go ahead to set the plan in motion. It's a plot to get Marilyn started back in the game. Short circuit one of the main breakers and get an, ele- get an electrician on the job. After a cheerful good morning to the unsuspecting Miss Bennett, we cut to the laundry where the labor force has taken a break. Oh, very pretty. Is that what you wanted to show me? Don't be smart. Call an electrician. Come on, you. Tears but a fuse. But it's not the show's show Miss Bennett has taken Frankie to. Oh no, she has much great a much greater surprise for her. Oh man, it's such a great reveal, even though it's probably quite expected from the point of view of the audience. It's a great little build-up with the music before the door opens to the paddy wagon. It sends chills down my spine and I get goosebumps all over my arms. It's only the third episode and this show just keeps on giving. Beatrice Alice Smith knows what she did and just wants to get it over and done with. You can feel the shame and sorrow in her voice. She got out and she could have had a plentiful and productive life in the free, but instead she did what she thought was the right thing to do, even though she knew that the consequences of that were probably serving the rest of her life inside. Mrs. Jackson won't have it. Procedure is procedure and the law is the law. She's clearly disappointed of Bee's decision. Vera clearly thinks Davos' decision of putting Bee through the normal procedure is the wrong thing to do and she should be out and about to hopefully put a stop to the nonsense Frankie's been dishing out. Vera puts forward a convincing argument and Bee is to be with her friends immediately. Mrs. Jackson and even Bee seems a bit suspicious of this decision and so they should. Old Vinegar Tits has something more in mind than just keeping it quiet on the Wentworth front. You're sitting in my seat. You've just been keeping it warm for me. Doreen, there's a spare seat here. So it begins. Queen Bee is back and she doesn't waste much time by showing the other women who's top dog. It's a couple of nice framing shots of Bee with a stone cold look on her face, staring down Frankie who's, who looks kind of unsure of what to do and a bit scared perhaps. 
Karen is somewhat full of herself, thinking that Frank is getting what's coming to her and that her little games are done and over with. Then we have Vera, who's so smug and enjoying every second of it. It has a great score to it and ends nicely with the gate closing. Lynn walks past Rosie Sill, who asks for Mrs. Jackson. She's maybe not due yet, but with all the fun things soon to kick off, who knows? Back in the dining room, Tina seems to have misplaced her Hubble telescopes for glasses. The dining room bell rings and it's time to move on. The new prisoner stands up. She quickly realizes that no one else is getting up and sits back down again. It's quite eerie that the only sound we hear is the scraping done by the chair from the new prisoner standing up and sitting back down again. Everyone is waiting for B or Frankie to make a move. B slowly stands up. Still no sound, until Doreen finally takes a stand, literally and figuratively. Cue the music. But we still don't get any dialogue, just an intense background score as the other women slowly stands up, one by one, until Karen tries to stand up but is stopped by Frankie trying to exert the little power she has left over the women. You must be disappointed. No violence. Carol Byrne, who plays Frankie, does an amazing job, as always. She's great in this scene. This scene. You can see her start to tear up and finally letting it flow, just as B and the others walk out, and is faced with the reality that her reign as top dog is quite quickly coming to an end. Well, Frankie, what are you going to do now? Sit there all day? I don't mind. But isn't it about time you made a move? You never can stop poking the old bear, can you? I mean, one can almost blame you for starting the riot. Once more, the dining room is kind of off in the prison as we know it. And also, automatic gates? We almost never see those in the show. It's a shame that they change so much of the layout of the time, over time, because it's hard sometimes to get a feel for the prison. Holy hell, even Vera looks kind of frightened. Maybe she'd just realize realized what she started and that it all kind of got out of hand. Frankie and her, her gang charges the gate screaming. As Frankie pokes her head through the bars, you know she's all fucking in. She's tried to contain the beast within, but now it's out with all its glory. She looks like she's getting a high from this. The sound effect to that face of her is fucking spot on. We nip up quickly to Eddie and Marilyn as the riot alarm sounds, but not to worry Eddie. You're safe up here with Marilyn by your side. Mrs. Morris tries to get help, but whoopsies, she ran into Frankie's gang on the way. This is a great scene where the two fractions of the women arguing and shouting at each other. Sorry Davo, Frankie's got the upper hand here and she's not kidding around. Rosie's getting closer to labor, so Lynn rushes to get help. Chrissy clearly has something against Mrs. Jackson, probably blaming her for Bill not wanting to hook up with her and takes out her jealousy on Meg while she has the upper hand. She's right, she's got to get to the doctor. Nobody tells me what I've got to do. Do as she says, Frankie. This fight between you and B is one thing, but if anything happens to Rosie's baby, your life won't be worth living. 
too rightly, see. They don't take kindly to baby bashes. Bill is agitated, rightfully so. His wife is in the middle of a riot, and the governor rather handled the matter herself than getting outside help and risking, risking bad publicity. He makes a fair point of B being in solitary. A weird small detail is when Frankie talks to Bill. She's at the wrong, wrong gate. She's at the gate to the dining room, and that one is open. She should be at the one on the corner. Tension is building up as Frankie shows off her prized position in form of Meg Jackson. Bill tries a half-ass half attempt at getting to her, but is stopped by Greg. We close out this scene with an evil chuckle from Frankie as she goes back to the dining room with Bill looking distressed. The phone rings at the Jackson residence, but no one is there to answer it. Just as Bill hangs up, Marty shows up. No one's home, Marty. They hate you. Yes, you said yourself we should do something. Let me talk to Frankie. Try to persuade her to let Meg go. You can't reason with Doyle. She's an animal. Well, maybe she wouldn't be if you didn't treat her like that. All one. right, all right. What have we got to lose? Love how Vera scoffs at the idea of reasoning with Frankie and that small biting of a lip when Bill tells her that it's maybe Vera's fault for Frankie's behaviour, knowing perfectly well there is some truth to that. At least the fact that she maybe took things too far this time in agitating Doyle. Whilst Frankie is plotting her scheme, Karen goes over to Meg and entices her and tells her to make a run for it. She gets the chance. We go to the lovers up in the roof as we get a quick glimpse of Eddie's arse and some cleavage from Marilyn. Good for you, Australia, for not being such prudes and showing some skin. It's a bit of naked body. Nothing more, nothing less. Vera is more than just excited, it seems. She's almost crying with, crying with joy when B takes down Frankie. It's super weird because she did look weird at times during the riot. All right, who's next? Should have quit her job. Yeah, right. Who's looking stupid now, Bill? <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Wow. This is just a great episode. It's still very early in the show and we got ourselves a riot. Sure it's short, but damn it's intense. I really don't have anything more to say about this episode. I really love it and I'm not really sure how I would go about ranking the different riots. First of all, it's been a couple of years since I've gone through the show. And when I did, it was over a time period of two years, I think. So it's it's all a bit blurry. It, it's, it's hard for me right now to remember them all. This riot, or, or the negative side of it, it's just a short riot. But it's the first, and it's in fucking episode three of the show. As we see Bill stabbed, and the aftermath of this whole riot, it's... it's just amazing and the power struggle between B and Frank is, is it's just so fucking good anyways let's continue with with spoilers instead so spoilers Glennis O'Brien the new prisoner has been in the horror of Frankenstein as Maggie she also plays a brunette girl in A Clockwork of Orange though uncredited this is her one and only episode in the show. Hazel Henley makes her, makes her debut as a background character, Tina Murray. 
And we see her throughout the series in 16 episodes, from what I can gather from episode 2 until 692. She's probably in more than that, but that's all the information I could find. We can also mention Barbara Jungworth, who played Lorna Jung for 31 episodes between episode 2 and 692. I didn't actually pick up that they already showed up in the episode before. Sorry about that. Some other background characters, this time officers. I'll leave a link in the show notes to a timestamp where you can see who I'm talking about. 30 minutes and 51 seconds in, if you watch this episode on YouTube, you see the guard standing. The first one on the left, I got no clue about what her name is. The next one is Jean Kane, playing Paddy McGuire, and she appeared in at least 15 episodes between episodes 3 until 149. She's usually credited as just Officer. The third in the line is Sue Silver, who plays Officer Owen, for at least 8 episodes between episode 3 and episode 93. Though when you go dwelling too deep in Who's Who in Wentworth, you find out that there are two other actors credited as an Officer Owen during the time span Sue Silver also plays Officer Owen. The department may be famous people who has the surname Owen. The biggest entrance we got in this episode is by Amanda Muggleton who plays Chrissy Latham for 108 episodes between episode 3 and episode 338. I should also mention the fact that I know that I haven't been talking about the rest of the big cast like Meg or B or Lizzie, any of the other people on the cast. I will get back to that and their background story in the show and also if they've been in some other famous works of film or TV series. I will mention also that I will have some sort of riot ranking and maybe I'll release that as a B-side of this episode or something like that. Yeah, so there, there might be just an extra quickie right after this episode. Anyways, that was all I've got for you this time. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode. And if you want to contact me regarding anything about the show, please do so by tweeting me at cellpodcast emailing me at cellblockagepodcast at gmail.com or contact me on Facebook at Cellblock Age Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Uh, let's cue the outro and get the fuck out of here. Hey!